This is a Shir on Likutei Sichais, Chelek Tazayin, Book 16, the Sicha of Teruma, the fourth Sicha. It's also the note here, the asterisk. And the Sicha says, the Siyam of Mesechta Chagiga. Okay, fasten your seatbelts. This is a Sicha that takes us through Shas, really. And it's long, intricate, and beautiful, of course. So in the Pasuk, where... We are told about the instruction of building the base Hamikdash and the Mishkan. It says, Vasili Mikdash, make for me a Mikdash, a sanctuary. So in that same Pasuk, it says that the purpose for making the Mishkan is, Shachanti Biseicham, I will dwell in them. In other words, I will dwell in the Shechina, Shem's holy presence will rest in the Mishkan and in the Mikdash. That's pretty interchangeable, Mishkan and Mikdash. We speak historically about the Mishkan being till the base of Mikdash was built in Yerushalayim, and Mikdash means Yerushalayim. But the Pasuk says, Vasuli Mikdash refers to the Mishkan and the Mikdash. For the main Abedis that were in the base of Mikdash was the Abedis HaKarbanis. It was the Rambam says that actually the mitzvah of building a base of Mikdash is in order to have the Karbanis there. There should always be fire there, and there should always be sacrifice being offered there. From this we understand that the main, one of the main items in the Beis HaMikdash, in other words, as there points out in the footnote, that Ammam learns that the base, the, mik, the mitzvah is to have a place where you can offer up karbonis. Part of that is it should have an oren, it should have all the other vessels of the Mikdash. But the Mikdash, if you look at the mitzvah of Beis HaMikdash in its, in its central theme, the Mikdash, it's a place that you should be able to offer karbonis. So in that case, one of the key instruments for that is the Mizbeach. Both the Mizbechis, the outside Mizbeach, upon which the animals were brought, and also the inside Mizbeach. The, the outside Mizbeach is spoken about the end of this week's Parsha, and the inside Mizbeach, where the Ketodos, the incense, was brought, this speaks about at the end of next week's Parsha. So obviously the Mizbechis, they're critical to the Beis HaMikdash, and the Sikh is going to be focused on the altars, the Mizbechis. On the Pasuk of the Mikdash, you make the Mikdash, and I will dwell in them, so our sages tell us... And uh, you can look up in the footnotes what, where, where it's the earliest quote of this, but we know this, we say this all the time. The Pasuk doesn't say, I will dwell in them. It says, I will dwell in him, in it. Sorry. The Pasuk doesn't say, I will dwell in it, which it should say, make from me a sanctuary, I will dwell in it. It says, I will dwell in them. And our sages tell us that means I will dwell in them in each and every Jew. The them is going to the Jewish people. In other words, every year has to be <coughs> a mikdash, a sanctuary to Hashem. So we understand that every year it has to, through his service of Hashem, bring down the Shekhinah, Hashem's holy presence, should be, so to speak, figuratively resting and residing in the temple which within himself. So one of the places where we see that the Chazal, our sages, talked about the two, ba- two, two altars, the two Mizbuchas, and where we will find a definite connection to the Beis HaMikdash, which in every Jew, is going to be in the end of Mesechta Chagiga. I will say that, that this point, how it's going to relate to the Beis HaMikdash in every Jew, is, um, we'll point out later, but it, it seems to be somehow not to be mentioned as clearly at the end of the Sicha. Um, as, yeah, anyway. base In Sof, in the end of the last mission in Chagiga... The teaching goes as following. All the kalim, all the vessels that were in the Beis HaMikdash required immersion, required filler. After every Yom Tev, they had to immerse the vessels of the Mikdash. Why? 
because they became Tomei through the fact that people that are considered Amei Ha'aretz, Amei Ha'aretz means people of the land, people that aren't careful about keeping their ritual status of being Tahir, so they would have come into the Beis Amikdash during the holiday, during the Yom Tev, one of the Shalish Regalim, and therefore they may have touched inadvertently, or they may have touched one of the vessels of the Mikdash, Beis Amikdash, and you had to table it, because... It's like this, there's a halacha that for the duration, we derive this from a pasuk, that for the duration of the actual yomtev, everyone, kol Yisrael chaveirim, all Jewish people are considered chaveirim, in this context means they're considered to be scrupulous, they're considered to be like Talmidei Chachamim, having accepted upon themselves a higher level of ritual purity. And so we don't tell them, don't touch, we just accept them as if they are ritually pure, unless of course they know that they are not. We're talking here about Somebody who just doesn't know, but generally speaking, by the Bnei Yisrael, in the time of the Beis there were two statuses of people, people that always kept themselves pure, and people that didn't. The people that didn't, you had to assume that unless they specially toiveled and made themselves pure, they weren't pure. When it comes to Yom Tev, in order to create the, the, the unity of the Yom Tev, there's a drasha, the, our sages learned, that all Yidin are considered to be like one, and they can mingle freely, we're not worried that they may be ritually impure. However, after the Beisah, after the, after the Yom Tov is over, and now we have to say retroactively one second, but we do know that these were not people that usually hold such a high standard. So now, this is already not about creating a feeling of unity on the Yom Tov. Now let's go back and be extra careful and toivel and immerse all of the vessels in the Beisah Mikdash, except the Mizbeach Hazov and the Mizbeach HaChoshes, the altar of gold and the altar of copper, that's the outside Mizbeach, because... They are like ground, says Rabbi Lezer. Chachamim say no, because they are covered. So they, those things don't have to be immersed. Two things I want, a few things I want to point out over here. The Gemara says there, Rashi points out that, one second, how, who could have come and touched these, these vessels? Obviously we're talking about Koyanim, because these vessels, the Mizbecha, is a regular Yisrael, a regular Jew, couldn't go that far into the base of Mikdash. So we must be talking about the Koyanim, but Koyanim, Yes, which means to tell us that the Koyanim who are considered Ami Ha'aretz, the Koyanim that are considered, there were two classes in Koyanim as well. Those that were considered scrupulous, those were considered that we can't rely on their de facto status of being ritually pure. So on Yontav they could come in, and they may have come in and, 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 and touch stuff. After Yontav we have to go and table it. There's something else that we told them, be careful not to touch, that is the Shulchan. The Shulchan always needs to be there, always needs to have bread on there, so you can't, you can't take out the bread and table it. So, so they would pick up the shulchan and show it. And they would tell the koyanim who were able to perhaps go that far, please don't touch. Because if, if a koyan who's not a chaver, who's not uh, ritually accepted as de facto status of being ritually pure, would touch it, you have a problem. At any rate, so this, that's just the, the background behind it. But the point that we need to know, that I was going to focus on, is that the mizbechais, they couldn't become tommy. Why couldn't they become tommy? Either because they're like ground, Something that's pure, that's ground, doesn't become tummy. Vessels become can become ritually impure, not ground. Um, it's very simple. Obviously, we know that there are ritually impure people, tummy people, walking all over. The ground they walk on doesn't become impure. And the chachamim say because they were covered over. In other words, in the um, in the mishkan for sure, it was wood and it was covered over with copper, covered over with with um, with uh, what you call gold. So, here, 
the Gemara explains what is Rabbi Elazar's opinion. How does he know that the Mizbeches are like, the altars are like earth, and that's why they can't become Tommy? So he says, by the copper, Mizbeach, it says, Mizbeach atomatasli, make from me, from me an altar of earth. And by the Mizbeach, Azov, it doesn't say make earth, but it says, the verse says, the Menera and the Mizbeches. That's a verse in the Torah. So we have a concept called a Hekesh. Itkush Mizbeches Azov. Hekesh means that two things are put together and, and kind of, we assume that they're the same status. We can infer one from the other. So if they're put into the same statement, the Menorah and the Mizbechais, it looks like they're being said that they're the same in various things. Mizbechais. Mizbechais are included in one word here, so it's like the Mizbechais both have the same status. So just like the copper Mizbeach, the Torah calls it, and it's an, it's an earthen Mizbeach. Similarly, we're going to say that the same halachic status will apply to the golden Mizbeach, and therefore, if it's like earth, it can't become Tommy. Then the Gemara says, what does it mean the Chachamim say because it's covered over? So initially the Gemara assumes that the Chachamim is saying, why are they, just like Rabbi Leza is saying, the Mizbeches are not Tomei because they're like earth. The Chachamim say, no, there's another reason why they're not Tomei, because they're covered over. And the Gemara says, what do you mean? That they're not Tomei because they're covered over with metal? On the contrary, because they're covered over, they should become Tomei. And as Rashi explains, if, in other words, there's... The reason why you would think they shouldn't be Tomei is because it's a big, even if it's wood, there's a law that cleates a osui lenachas. A, earth, a, 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 a wooden vessel that's made is big and made not to be moved doesn't become Tomei. However, if it's covered over with metal, something of that size, even if it's not made to move, but it's metal, it should become susceptible to becoming Tomei. So the Chachamim say that what? They say, so the Gemara asks, the Chachamim say it's not Tomei because it's covered because it's covered over with metal? On the contrary. The fact that it's covered over with metal should mean that it's not a wooden, unmovable item. It's now it's a metal and it should become Tomei. The Gemara says, no, the Chachamim say, Taka, yeah, they're not, they're not agreeing with Rabbi Lezer. They're saying it's Tomei because it's covered. Taka, it's, they're arguing with Rabbi Lezer. If you want, I can say, says the Gemara, maybe they're not arguing with Rabbi Lezer. Maybe they're just arguing on how Rabbi Lezer learns this law. Could be the Rabbanan are saying, according to Rabbi Lezer, you say we learn this law. Why? Because it says that the Mizbeach was like, considered like Adama. Why are you saying that? Because you're figuring it's covered over. And because it's covered over, well, let's see how, how, how Rashi learns this. So Rashi learns, what, what, what's happening here? The Rabbanan tell Rabbi Lezer, what is, what is your opinion? That this, that Rabbi Leza, why do you need the Torah to tell you that it can't become Tommy because it's called Adam, it's called Earth? You're of the opinion that otherwise it would become Tommy. Why? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a non-movable wood item which shouldn't become Tommy. Obviously, you're thinking because it's plated with metal. If it's plated with metal, it's no longer wood. And that's why you need this pasuk. But I want to say, but one second, this wood is plating, and plating is bottle. It becomes nullified to the actual item of the Mizbeach. And if so, so it should be like wood. If it loses its identity to the main, to the main uh, agenda of this Mizbeach, which is wood, so it should be like wood. Non-movable wood shouldn't be Makabal Tomei. Yeah? So that's why it wouldn't be Makabal Tomei. So he's arguing, saying, why are you saying you're learning it from the... The reason it's not Makabal Tomei is because, because it's wood. I you say, well, it's, it's plated. That, no, but the plating is bottle. So it's still it's wooden. That's why it's not Tommy. 
So why do you need? He's arguing with Rabbi Lezer, saying you need a pasuk to tell you it's not doma. That's why it's not doming. I say bechlal no. There's it's it's a wooden thing that's not movable. I it's plated. The plating is bottle. That's how Rashi learns that Rabbi Lezer, that Rabbanan is saying the same thing as Rabbi Lezer, but just arguing on why you need to learn it from the pasuk that calls the mizbeach adama. The Rambam says different. So the way, the way Rashi learned that the the words in the Gemara because it's plated. Is the Chachamim's suggestion to Rabbi Lezer, you think that the reason it would be Makabal Tumah is because it's plated? No. The plating is bottled, therefore it's just like wood. These words, you think it should be Makabal Tumah because it's plated, the Ramam is different. The Rabbanan is not saying you think it should be Tumah because it's plated. No. The Rambam says the Chachamim are just saying like this Rabbi Lezer, I want to tell you why it's Tumah, not because it's called Karka, but because it's plated. What do we learn about plated things? The Sifra tells you us on the Pasuk, which says, Kol kali, any vessel which the Malacha is done in the vessel can become tummy. I would think maybe if the vessels are plated, that it'll also become tummy. So it says, Bahem, only if the work is done in the actual vessel. And that excludes the covering over the plate, Kalim, that, vessels that are plated. And if you're not using, in other words, the limit of a Sifra is if you're not using the actual vessel, you're only using it through a plating, through a cover, then it's not like you're using the vessel, and the vessel is not makabel tumah. And as the Rambam's uh, uh, opinion is explained, he learns, <coughs> what does he learn in this Gemara, that the plating is bottle to the Mizbeach? What he's saying is, according to the Rabbanon, we have the following scenario. The fact that it's plated is not enough of a reason to make it tumah. Why? The contrary, because the plating of metal, that's a reason to make a tar. Why? Because since it's only a plating, so therefore it's bottled to the keli. And if it's bottled to the keli, so it's not going to be become a tuba because of the plating, it's part of the keli. But the keli is not going to become a tuba because we said any keli that's utilized through its plating, there's a gazer sarkosov. If it's not used directly, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not tummy. So therefore what they're saying is, Rambam is saying that Rabbanan is saying, Rabbi Lezer, we don't need the Pasuk that says it can't be Makabal Tumah, it can't receive Tumah because it's like earth. No. It's covered. And the covering is bottle. And if it's bottle, that means that A, the, the plating isn't something on its own, therefore it's not Tumah because of the plating. The, the vessel you're using can't be Tumah because you're using it through the plating. The Torah says only if you use it directly. So it comes out that Rashi and the Rambam really are arguing plating. What, is, what happens when you plate something? The way Rashi is learning the Rabbanan is that if the, the fact that it's plated is, the fact that this uh, uh, wooden keli is plated is actually a reason to say that it's Tommy, even according to the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan said, but we don't look at the plating because the plating is bottle, right? The Rambam however, says, no, that the plating itself is a reason why it shouldn't be Tommy. It's all part of the reason why it shouldn't be Tommy. A covered keli is not Tommy because the, the plating is bottle. The keli, you're not using the keli, you're using the covering. So the, the plating of the keli is a reason to, 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 to be tar. We have to understand what's the, what's the, what's the notion, of what, what's the core of this argument? Why does Rambam learn differently than Rashi? Especially in the, in, according to Lashon Gemara, it fits in better Rashi, as Mufarshim explained. So I want to po- point out, we're talking about the, the, the Mizbeches being wood and covered, there's a bit of an issue here, and that is that mainly in the Beis Amikdash we know that it was made out of wood and it was covered, but in the Beis Amikdash it was made out of stones 
and covered with copper. Bechlal was made out of stones. So uh, th- th- there's a discussion here in the footnotes. I'm not going to go into it, but just wanted to point it out in case you have um, its footnote. Um, it's footnote 14. You can see a long, a long order. Um, so there's a they, they just to give you one one answer here. The text for Siyamtav has one answer. It says this halacha is if we were talking about the copper mizbeach, like in the day of Meshach ben Amashalim, or another answer is if in the future it's ever made in that way, then this halacha of mizbeach will this discussion will apply. Okay. In other words, being plated or not plated. Otherwise, it's really a, a part of the ground. It's built on the ground. And it's, it's stones, and, and it wouldn't uh, there wouldn't be an issue of it being mekabel tuma definitely. Gimel, there's the minig that we connect the end with. We make a harden. We make a seam on a mesech. we connect the end with the beginning. The reason is not just to be uh, to do semantics or to do uh, acrobatics, as it ever points out in order twenty four. The shalah, the, the maharal, and the shalah, and the, the Rebbe Rashab brings in Kudus Eitzchayim to make from the Torah something of semantics and, and mental acrobatics. Chas v'shalom, Torah is holy. So the reason that we connect the end and the beginning is because indeed there is a connection between the end and the beginning. Says the Rebbe in footnote twenty-five, just like the Sefer Yitzira says, "Notz chalas b'seifam." The Sefer Kabbalah says that the end and the beginning have a have a direct correlation. So similarly here, the end of Masechet Chagiga, we're going to connect it, as we see later on, we're going to connect it with this beginning. This is the end we're talking. We're going to connect it with the beginning. So now let's talk about the beer in the Rambam. Why is the Rambam learning like he's learning? So we could say that the Rambam, who learns here, that the machlekes of Rabban and Rebelezer, in other words, that the Rabbanan say we, the reason that it's not Mechabal Tuma is because it's a keli that's plated, and that's why it's not Mechabal Tuma. The Rebelezer says it's not Mechabal Tuma because it's Karka, because it's earth. The basis of this machlekes, why, 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 of Rabban Rabbeleza is because Rabbeleza shamutihu. Rabbeleza shamutihu means that Rabbeleza is one of the one of the pirushim here, and which whatever goes with here, is Rabbeleza is a Talmud of Beishamai. Shamuti, he's a Shamaite, literally, and therefore this argument in the Rabbeleza, who's a Shamaite, and the Rabbanan who, who follow the Hillel, which that's the halacha is like Hillel everywhere. So this argument has to do with a lishitose with a argument that follows the pattern of Beishamai Vesilal in many other places. In other words, there's a general reason, there's a general differentiation in the approach of halacha between Beishamai and Beishilal. And based on this fundamental difference of their approach of looking at, at mitzvahs, looking at the Torah, looking at halacha, that's going to lead to many different arguments as an expression of that difference. In other words, because we're going to find, we're going to go and look, and the Rebbe is going to bring at least in one, in each of the six books of the Mishnah, the Rebbe is going to bring an argument of, of, of Shammai and Hillel, Be Shammai and Be Hillel, and sometimes Shammai and Hillel themselves, and we're going to see the differences, and we'll understand that really it all comes from one general difference. You see a beautiful thing when we can point out, I was going to point out what's the central core argument, and from that, all the other things uh, uh, grow forth. It's called lishitosi. They're going according to their reasoning elsewhere. You can follow. So if you dig down deeper, you'll see at the core of their argument in each of these places is the difference in, in the way they look at things. Let's see what that means. 
So let's take, the Rebbe says, before he gets to the end of Dalit, we're going to go for an example, one argument in each of the, in each Seder, the six Sedorim of the Mishnah, Zroim, Meid, Nashim, Zikim, Kochim, Tad. So in the book of Zroim, in the, in the, in the tractate of Brochus, when it comes to the Brochus that we say every Matzah Shabbos on fire on Matzah Shabbos, we find an argument between Beisil and Bishamay Sil. says you make the Brochus, and there's two parts in this argument. Bishamay says you make the Brochus, Shabala Ma'ir Ha'esh, that Hashem created the luminariness of the fire. And Basilil says, you make the bracha Hashem creates, created the light of the fire. So there's Bala Bayre, we're not going to focus on that. And then there's Ma'ir, the light, singular, or Ma'ire, the lights of fire. The Gemara explains what's Machlaikis about whether we speak about the light of fire, singular or plural. Beshamai holds, there's only one fire, there's only one color. One color. That's why you say Hashem creates the, the, the sight of fire. The light of fire. Just one. Silla says there's many different colors. Shades of color within fire. Well, there's the blue and the white and so on. Similarly, we find a Braisa where Bishami told to be Hillel. There's a lot of lights within fire. That's why we have to say plural. So what's the argument? It's obvious as that this is not an argument in the reality of fire. I mean, you can take a look at fine, you'll see that in the reality of life, there's a few colors. You look careful when you look, you see, right? Right around the wick, and then you see the halo, and you see the blue, and you see the white. Yeah, different colors. Not Bishami wasn't arguing with that. What's the explanation about their argument? Bishami says that Alpitera, you have to mainly, Tera mainly looks at what you see in the first look. What you see, without going into, without delving into it, what do you see? What you see is what you get. When you take a look at fire, simply when we talk, we say that the judge has to see, judge with what he sees. Can't go into the mind. He's not a mind reader. His job, the job of judges, of justice here on earth, is to see what you see. So Bishami says, when you look, tell me what you see, and that's how you should go, without getting, without delving into the behind the scenes. Bishila says, no. You have to take a look at the details. Jump into the situation and see a difference, see all the nuances. Even though you may not see it right away, but you gotta, you gotta, what's it called? You gotta look into it, and that's gonna be the reality according to the Torah. So now we understand what's the machlekes. Machlekes is you're not supposed to. What, what's the law of, of Matzah Shabbos? Law of Matzah Shabbos is not just to thank Hashem for the gift of fire. You thank Hashem for the gift of fire when you come close enough to be able to have benefit from the fire. That's why we light it and we look at it. We actually use it to, to, to look at our nails. So the chiyuv of the bracha is only when you're able to have some benefit. Or when you actually have benefit. When does the benefit actually come? The benefit comes when you see the light in general. What do you see? If you don't look into it in depth, you just see light. You see fire. That's why Bishami says the bracha is just for the general creation of fire. Don't go into the details. You see fire, you thank Hashem for ma'ayr ha'esh, the light of the fire. Basila says no. Look into it. Have his bananas. Look deeper. Meditate into it. You'll see. Fire is made up of several hallows, several different colors. And so therefore, you should make the bracha. Thank Hashem in plural for the esh. So that's the machlekes. Do we look at the details, or do we look at it just the way it is in its generality? Bishamay says, look at the generality. Bishil says, look at the details. Now we're going to have a very interesting machlekes. In the book of Noshim, in the Mesechtik Subes, <laughs> it says, how do you praise a kalah? How do you dance in front of a kalah? You buy the chasana. 
And there's a chassan, he's very excited, he got married, and you praise, you dance in front of the chassan kala. With what, with what praise do you, do you dance? Beshameh says, you say, kala kameshihi. You praise the kala in whatever, in the way she actually is. Says Rashi, according to her beauty, according to her prominence, <laughs> which means if she's not so beautiful, not so prominent, you don't create a, you don't create a white lie. Say, she's... You know. Misil says, you always say, kala nova chasuda. The kala is beautiful and pious and, and, and graceful. Chasuda, graceful. Bishamay says, Basila, hello, what happens if she was lame, God forbid, or blind? You're gonna, you're gonna, pra- you're gonna praise her in the eyes of the chasen that she's a, a beautiful and, and, and grace-filled uh, kala? But the Tana says, you can't lie. Midvar shechatircha, you have to distance yourself from lying. So Basila, Tata Bishamay, excuse me, according to your opinion, if somebody went and bought something in the, in, in the marketplace and you think it's a pretty bad choice of, of purchase, what are you gonna do? You're gonna tell him, oh, are you going to praise it in his eyes or are you going to denigrate it in his eyes? I would say that you're also going to agree, Be Shammai, Shammai, that probably that you're going to say nice. I mean, he bought it, obviously, so he likes it. So now it's simple that also according to Be Hillel, of course Be Hillel holds, you're not supposed to lie. And also Be Shammai obviously holds that if somebody came home and somebody from the market, you're not supposed to make him feel lousy that he bought something that, that you don't think is nice. You should say, wow, that's a nice thing you bought. So what's, what's the machlekes? Here's the Hezbers also. They go according to their opinion. Besham, I says, you have to look at this thing the way it is and it's general. You take the first glance, you see, what does it look like in a general sense? In this color, when you take a first glance, look, you don't see that she's beautiful and, and graceful. <laughs> That's not the reality. So you can't, you shouldn't be praising her with those things. You praise her with what's evident as soon as you look. Basila says, no, you have to look into the details. And if you look into the details, you'll see that since this chasen chose her, so Bemela, obviously, in his eyes, she's beautiful and graceful. Ah, you know, you got to get down to his mindset. And then you'll see it's beautiful. It says that Rebbe in the square brackets, and that's why the Gemara there continues very interestingly. The Gemara says, from here, the Chachamim know that the person should always have, in his perception, he should always be Involved, Mu'urav, he should always be um, close and, and, and empathetic with other people. What do you mean? Because since we've just explained that you have to look into his mind, the mind of the chasen, and see that he likes this young lady that he took as a callus. Obviously, for him, she's beautiful and graceful. So from this, we understand that if you, if you get into a person's mindset, right, and you, and you judge him, according to his, and we know you can't judge anybody till you get to his place. In other words, you understand where he's coming from, and the way he looks at it, this and this and this. She's a beautiful kala. So then you can start to become more empathetic and more one and unified, even with people that are briyas. That is learning the diok, the and briyas, people that aren't special. But you'll start to understand why they're special in their own way. You understand when you get, when you go into the details, You'll start to be able to become unified with people that before that you would have just, you know, at first glance, I have nothing to do with them. You get to understand them, you get to become unified with them. So now we'll also understand that for Basil, it's not a sheker. <coughs> He's not telling you to tell a lie. Because after you look into it, <coughs> you'll understand that this chosen, beautiful and graceful kala. Bishamai says, no, 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 we're not talking, we're talking, remember, Bishamai looks to general, generally, sorry, she's not a kala, no, so she's not a beautiful and graceful kala, and therefore, don't lie. 
Say, say the way it is. So we have other, this same machlekes, which is found in the, in the machlekes of Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. That's the yeshiva of Shammai and yeshiva of Hillel. These are yeshivas. Beis Shammai, the house of Shammai, the house of Hillel. These are the yeshivas of Shammai, which are influenced by them. We also find Shammai and Hillel themselves, we find the machlekes. And this is, in two places we're going to quote now, and um, in one place, we're going to see that Shammai is actually uh, uh, lenient and Hillel is stringent, different than all, usually you know, Shammai is more stringent, Hillel is more lenient. We're going to bring an example where Shammai and Hillel are, 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 are not fitting into that trend. Being, on the contrary, Shammai is going lenient and Hillel stringent. And the second case, we're going to give you a story that happened where Hillel and Shammai themselves conducted themselves based on, obviously, on, their, on this world outlook. Okay, so first of all, Shammai and Hillel, where Shammai is more lenient. In the book of Nezikin, the Mesechta uh, of Edyes, we learn the following Mishnah. Shammai says, this has to do with the ritual purity and impurity of, of women. Particularly, we're talking here in the time of the Beis Hamikdash. The time of Beis if a woman was during the time of her period, then and she had touched, after her period started, she had touched something. So that would that something would become ritually impure. You couldn't use it in the Beis Hamikdash. Um, for example, a koyan who was eating truma, koyan had to eat truma, he had to be pure. So he wouldn't be able to. I'm just giving you a loose example. If 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 there was a woman who was, had started already a period, and she sat on a chair, that chair would become ritually impure. So that would be her chair, but if the Kayan went, the Kayan wasn't allowed to go and sit down there and eat truma, because it would make him ritually impure. Okay, so you needed to be able, to, needed to hold track of what the status of the person was. So Shammai says, all women die on shaitan if they start to see blood, from then they are tummy. Hillel say, no, mipekida lipekida, even if it's many days, you have to go back to the previous check. Knows when was the last time that she checked to make sure that there's no blood flow. But any time after that, we have to say, well, how do we know? Maybe it started already. She just didn't notice. Maybe two nights ago she established that there was no, there was no flow. But maybe it started right after that. So anything she touched for the last two days, we have to consider that maybe it's ritually impure. So in other words, Shammai says, what's the thinking? Um, so Shammai says, and only you start counting from now. Now when she... Uh, when she realizes that she's that that her 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 uh, blood has started now, it's tome now onwards, not what she touched before that. We say no, we don't have to assume that there was any ritual impurity then. Hill says no, anything she touched till the time when we know that she checked that she was still pure. And the Gemara says, what's the reason for this? Shammai is of the opinion put the woman in her de facto state, put her in the state that. A woman is generally pure. Ritual, we're talking ritually pure. Hillel says, no, you can say that she's ritually pure and just say that, that don't change the established fact until you know. And Shammai says, you, now that you know, okay, onwards, she'll be ritually impure. But backwards, why should I say? Just, just leave her with her status of purity. Hillel says, no, you can't say that. You know why? You can only say that there's a de facto uh, a status of purity when the change is coming somewhere from the outside, so you could say, till the change happened, I don't have to assume that there was any change. But here the change is coming from her body itself. Her body is now producing this flow. 
So how, how do you know when it started? How can you just say there's a de facto and until you don't see it, it didn't happen? Oh, we, but we see that something has changed here in her. How do we know it didn't start changing right after the last time that she checked that she was ritually pure? So here too we see the same point in the thinking of Shammai and Hillel. Shammai says, so in this case, by the way, Shammai is more lenient. Because let's say it's Tuesday morning and, and the woman now knows that she has, that she has blood. So, and yesterday she touched, wait, she sat on a chair. So according to Shammai, doesn't matter. Anything she touches from now, now, from now on, she has to be careful and not be in contact with, thing, with things that need to be kept ritually pure. According to Hillel, no, 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 we got to look back. La, let's say the last time, Tuesday morning, today, let's say the last time she established that she was ritually pure was Monday morning. So anything from Monday morning to Tuesday morning, we also have to retroactively say, maybe that she was ritually impure. So he's being more stringent. But what's the cap? What's their thinking here? So you see, it's not because Shammai is always more stringent, Hillel is always more lenient. Here Shammai is lenient and, and Hillel is stringent. But because the, the basis of their argument is not about stringent and lenient. It's about something else. What is that? You look at the details, you look at the general. So Shammai says, look, right now the blood started. I don't have to, I don't have to go and, and delve and meditate and think. Did it maybe start from before? There's a chazaka, there's a de facto. Hillel says, no, it's not enough that my eyes now see that it just started now. I have to go and meditate and think, you know what? It obviously started somewhere. It's coming from her. So it's obviously that something changed at some stage from her de facto, from her status of being ritually pure. When did that happen? Hmm. It comes, so I got to think retroactively. And I, since it's a natural uh, phenomenon by a woman, so I got to go back and think maybe it happened right after the last time that we established that she was pure. So I can't just say there's, I go after the chazok, I go after the de facto the, the, the status that she's tired, right? And therefore, anything she would have touched from then would at least be suffic, at least in doubt of being perhaps ritually impure. So again, it depends. You look at the details, you look at the, at the generality. Ches, here we have now another difference. This time, this is a difference about my like I'm going to give you a story. The difference between Shammai and Hillel when it came to three examples of a guy that wanted to convert. In one case, the guy came and said, convert me in order you, I want you only to teach me only the written Torah. The second case, it was a case of somebody who had come to convert, and he says, convert me on the stipulation that you'll teach me the entire Torah where I'm standing on one foot. In the third case, the guy came and says, convert me on the condition that you make me a high priest, a going cuddle. Now, in all three cases, Shammai pushed him aside, and Hillel said, come on on, and he converted him. So now we have to understand. However, whichever way you look at it, this is difficult. Since we have a rule that we don't make it easy to accept converts, right? we, 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 we place... Um, we place... Um, challenges so that we can be sure that they are truly authentically motivated to convert. Especially here, we're talking about people that are making stipulations, saying, you can be MacGyver on the condition. That's an inappropriate condition because when somebody comes to, uh, even if somebody comes to, to be converted in order to get some kind of a position or some kind of a benefit, but um, we don't accept it. You, don't, you have to come condition, conditionless. Especially if somebody says, 
I'm going to accept not, I'm going to come, but not accept the whole Torah. We don't accept him. So how was Hillel, how did Hillel accept him? It seems, I mean, the guy can't become a kind Gadol. The guy, guy, you can't teach the whole Torah on one foot. You can't just read the written Torah. So how did Hillel accept him? And if they indeed accepted, and they, there was just a problem with their language, but they really did accept the Torah properly, so why didn't Shammai accept them as well? So the explanation is like this. Shammai went again according to the way he looks at things. He says, you got to look at what's happening. I, I don't want to delve into the personality of these people coming in front of me. I just want to look at the general picture. They're saying things that disqualify them from becoming proper converts. Just inappropriate. See you later. Sorry, not accepting you. Hillel says, one second, let me look and meditate and see the details. And I see that the fact that they're speaking this way comes from, they're very genuine and very sincere. They really, truthfully and authentically want to convert. The language they're speaking, the things they're, they're talking about, it comes, that's a, a secondary thing. It's a side issue. They just don't know. They don't realize that that's not the way you could convert and it's not going to happen that way. So therefore, when you look at the details, you'll see, no, 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 no. These are authentic people and they're, they're confused and they're, they're making mistakes about putting stipulations, but let's, let's teach them properly and let's convert them and it's going to work out. Depends, you look at the details, you look at what you see in front of you just in a general way. Tess, well, comes now we're going to have another machlekes, this time in the fifth order of Shas, the Kachim. In Sechtechul, and it says, we know we're not allowed to eat, um, we're not allowed to eat meat and milk. You're not just not allowed to eat meat and milk, you're also not allowed to bring meat and milk and eat them on the same table. If I'm eating meat and you're eating milk, we have to have, we can't eat them on the same table, same tablecloth. We have to have distinction. What about chicken? <clears throat> so chicken is the Torah doesn't say you can't eat chicken with meat. The Rabbanan, this is a this is a mitzvah that, that that applies to every single Jew, but it's a mitzvah that the Chachamim said applies because meat and milk has to mean all meat, right? But is there? It could be that there's more of a leniency about having them on the same table, perhaps. So let's see this machlekes. According to Allah, you can't. We treat it just like just like uh, just like meat in many ways. It's like, you know, animal meat. Minutes. But here's the halacha. The Mishnah says that a, a, a chicken may be, or bird, fowl, chicken, may be brought on the table, the same table with cheese. But of course you can't eat them together. But you can have them on the table together. That's what Beishamah says. Basila says, no, you can't even bring them up on the same table. And of course you can't eat them together. In other words, what does Beishamah say? If you put them on the table just like that, we're not, uh, we're not worried Look at the look. Look at the matter without going into, into meditating into what could happen from this. <clears throat> I mean, there's no prohibition to have. You can't eat them together, but you can have. What's what will be the prohibition of having them on the same table? Sehila says, no, 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 no. Got to look and delve into what could happen, into the details. Here, what could happen as a result of this bringing them on the same table, not having different cloths or whatever? You know what could happen? It could lead to the result. Especially we know that people have a tendency of a yetzahara and there's a wild side in them that pulls them to fall into doing the wrong thing. If you're going to let him bring them on the same table, then you know what's going to happen. Mm, it may eat them together. Right? So you got to look at the details and then you'll come to the, you'll come to the proper understanding. Bishamay says, look at the generality on the same table. No harm. Yud, from the pluktas, from the arguments in Seydat Tahris. So one of the arguments is, 
In the book of, in the tractate of Kalim, Kalim speaks about the vessels that are susceptible, that become Tomei ritually impure. There, there's a machlekes. If you have books that are covered over with cloth, I guess it's with cloth coverings, binders, whether they're colored or, 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 or uh, adorned uh, with, 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 with pictures, the coverings on the books, or whether they're not adorned with pictures, Ishamai says they're Tomei. They're impure. Isidl says if they're coverings with pictures, they're Tahir. They're not going to be uh, impure. If they're not covered with pictures, then they're Tomei. What is the explanation of this? The Raghit explains that the Machlekes is, according to what the Raivet explains, the difference between a tick and a chipoy. There's a difference between a covering, like a case, and a covering. When you talk about a case, a case is in order to protect what's in the case. Think of case, and it's protecting what's in the case. And that's why a case would become Tomei. Because a case is servicing, is adam, it's servicing the people. When you talk about something that's just a covering, let's say a covering on a book, so that would be more of an adornment rather than a protection. Okay? The difference between an adornment and a protective case. So this is the machlekes, Bisham and If something's, if it's a cover that has a picture, since that's an adornment, obviously, of the Svarim. The Svarim are, are put into this covering which has pictures, so obviously it's an adornment, it's not a protection. So an adornment, Bessilul says, is Tohe. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not part of the functionality. If, however, it's a cover that doesn't have a picture, oh, then it will be Tomei. Why? Because then, obviously, it's not a, an adornment, it's for the functionality of protecting the the thing it's covering. Bishamai says, no. Even if it's there, just covering the, the keli, so long, whenever it's covering the keli, it's going to be tummy. Even if it's, even if it has pictures on it. So what's the argument? Bishamai says again, Bishamai says, you look, generally speaking, it's covering the, 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 the book. I don't want to know if it has a picture, doesn't have a picture. It's covering the book. So that's a, 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 a functionality of the book. It's, it's a protective covering on the book. It's going to be Tommy. Basila says, now one second, let's look at the details here. If it's with pictures on it, so then you see that it's an adornment, not a protective. So then it shouldn't be Tommy. It should be Tommy. If, however, it doesn't have an adornment, it doesn't have pictures, so then we see, yeah, then it's functional part of the Kali, and therefore it's servicing the function that you're going to use this vessel with, and it's going to be considered part of the vessel, and it's going to be Tommy. Um, yeah, so again, we find this, this, uh, this, uh, this argument based on Shammai and Hila, and we find that Rabbi Leza holds like Beishamai, and the Chachamim like Beishilal. I'm not sure, this last line in the Eisyud, I'm not sure what it goes on. I'm not a million percent sure what it goes on. Sorry about that. It goes, is it going back to Chagiga? Is it saying here, is, there, there, this, is this Machlekes also in Kalim? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yud Aleph. According to all this, now we're going to be able to explain also the Machlekes that we spoke about in Chagiga, about the Mizbechis. The Rambam holds that Rabbi Eleazar, who's a Talmud of Beishamai, 
and Rabbonon, who are not Talmidim of Eishamai, that they will be going respectively like Shammai and Eil, Beishamai and Beishilu. The Belez, the Talmud of Beishamai, he's following the Beishamai line of thought. The, Beis, the Rabbonon are following the Beishilu line of thought. In other words, Belez a hold. Remember what the Machlekes was? Where the Ramam explained it? Belez a holds that if the plating is a reason to make a Tomei, except that it's Karka, that's why Apostle tells him his Beach is Karka, so even though it's plated and should be Tomei, no, it's called earth and it's not going to be Tomei. The Chachamim said the fact that it's plated is a reason why it's Tohar. It's plated, therefore it's secondary to the Kaili. The Kaili is not being used directly, so it's not Tomei. The plating is, is bottled to the Kaili, so it's not Tomei, right? So is the plating a reason for Toma? According to Abelez, it would be a reason for being Tomei. According to the Chachamim, a reason for Tara. Why, how will we explain this now based on the Shammai and Hillel difference in looking at, at Halach? It's like this. Blazer says, since the whole point of the Mizbeach, if you look just generally at the Mizbeach, right? It's, it's a Mizbeach. This is the copper Mizbeach, this is the gold Mizbeach. Gold and copper, I'm a Kabul Tumah, they're susceptible to ritual impurity. Ah, you're going to tell me that it's just covered over, it's not really fully, it's just plated with gold and silver. I don't want to look at the details. They're plated, and therefore they're called Nechayshazov. Don't tell me they're plated. This is a cup. You call, what do you call this one? The copper Mizbeach. This you call the gold Mizbeach. That should be Makabal Tumah. Ah, but there's a Pasuk that says, no, it's Karka. It's like earth, so it's not Makabal Tumah. But if I wouldn't have that Pasuk, I would say the fact that it's plated, because that becomes the, the, the immediate thing you see, and the way it's called, just by default, I would say it's Tommy. It's Karka, that's why not. The Chacham is saying, the fact that it's plated makes it every reason for it not to be Tommy. Why? We don't need to learn the Pasuk of Karka, that's why it's not Tommy. It's not Tommy because it's plated. Why? Because even though, yes, you're right, it is called a Mizbeach of Nechayshas of Copper, a Mizbeach of Zov, and it is called a metal Kaili. So if it's generally called a metal Kaili, it should be Tommy. No, he says. You have to look at the detail of the Mizbechas. If you look into the details, it's just, it's just plated. No, it's not that the Mizbeach is, is entirely copper or gold, it's a plating. And a plating, whichever kind of plating it, it is, whether the metal of gold, whether the metal of copper, it's secondary. It's bottle to the keli. And therefore, uh, the keli is also not going to become Tomei because of the tzipui, right? As we said, the keli itself, you're not using it directly, but also, on the other hand, the plating is not becoming Tomei because it's bottled to the keli. But that's because we looked at the detail of how this is made up, how the Mizbeach is made up, via via its, its, its actual entity and the plating. If you don't look at the details, you just say, what do you mean? <laughs> As probably all of us would have looked at the Mizbechas before, before learning this Sicha, this is a copper one, this is a gold one, without really thinking that it's not really fully copper, it's not really fully gold, it's just covering, right? So it depends, Shammai or Hillel. And these details are, are this, this makes a, oh, deep protems and a machriya dem klal canal. And the Chachamim say that these details mean that, no, you have to look at it as as uh, it's not just called a copper and, uh, and, and, and gold mizbeach. And therefore, you don't need to learn from the Pasuk about karka. It's enough, the reason that, that they're plated is enough of a reason to say that it, it shouldn't be Tommy. According to this, we'll also understand here, I, I made a little comment, sorry, I made a comment at the beginning of the Sicha that about how it applies to the, to, to the Mishkan in each of every one of us. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure here why the... Um, Oh, no, sorry, not yet. I'm, <laughs> let me explain. Uh, let me, no, sorry, not yet. The next, the next ace, I'm going to make a comment. Yud base. According to this, we'll also understand the connection between the end of the, and the beginning of Mesech Chagiga. Where the beginning of Mesech Chagiga, let's go back to the beginning. We see a machlek. Is it Beisham? We say, look. 
and also the point and the the the, the core of explaining the machlekes there is also going to be the same core as the machlekes of Rabbi Lezen Chacham in the end of Shabbos, which we explained it to be the Hillel and Shammai philosophy. The first Mishnah it says Beis Shammai says when you come up to the Beis Hamikdash, there's 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 two things you got to do when you come to Beis Hamikdash. You have to bring, don't come empty-handed. It says so you have to bring a carbon. The carbon is called a carbon oila. It's a it's a burnt offering. And it's a burnt offering that's called the, 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 the offering of the re'iyah, for coming to be seen in front of Hashem and bringing a carbon with you. Don't come empty-handed. Then there's also a carbon that's connected with Yom Tif, which is called the chagigan. That's actually, large parts of it are eaten. That's part of the, it brings a, that's the simcha of the basar we talk about. So, the Mishnah starts like this. Beishamai says, you got to bring two carbonas. So you should bring the carbon that is, a burnt offering which you bring for coming, it's called the re'iya, for coming to see Hashem, that should be two silver pieces worth. And the chagiga should be one piece of silver worth. Bishamah says, Basil says, no, exactly opposite. The re'iya should be one silver piece. The chagiga, the one you're going to be eating, parts of it, the large parts of it, should be two. What's the argument? So the Rebbe explains like this. Bishamah says that the eila. um, the Gemara explains, what is the reasoning? Bishamai says, since the carbon re'iyah for coming to see Hashem is a burnt offering and it goes totally up to Hashem, it's called the oila, it's all offered to Hashem, which is not the case in Chagiga. So since it goes totally to Hashem, so that's why you should make sure to spend more on it than the Chagiga, which you're also going to be eating. But Basil says, no, 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 spend more on the Chagiga, which the, because there's two eatings Hashem eats and the people eat. So it's more important in that way. There's two eatings. Spend more on that. So what's the argument? The question is, how do you look at it? Again, we're going to go back to the Shammai and Hillel perspective. If you look at Karbanas in, in the general context of Karbanas, Karbanas is about bringing something to Hashem. So it should be that what you bring totally to Hashem is more important. It's more carbonish. Spend more money on that. But when you look at the details, is it's, it's exactly opposite. When you look at the details, one second, but who's eating? If I look at the details of the eating, a carbon that goes to Hashem and goes to people, there's two aspects of eating here in this carbon. And by the way, eating a carbon is not just like eating a steak in a steakhouse. Eating the meat of a carbon is a mitzvah. So I have two mitzvahs in this carbon. So here I have a mitzvah with, I have a carbon with two mitzvahs. I should spend twice as much. If I look, just look at the general nuance of what a carbon is, carbon is going to Hashem. The one that goes totally to Hashem is more important. I spend more on that. Basil says, no, but I got to look at the details. The details here, what kind of, it's going to Hashem, taka, but that's one form of eating. There's two mitzvahs of eating that can, that can be connected to a carbon. And the Chagiga has both. So I spend more on that. Do I look at the general or the details? According to this, we'll also understand, and here's where I wanted to make a comment. The, the Rebbe doesn't quote here the Gemara, so I'm not sure why. According to this explanation, we'll understand the Sfar of the Rabbanon. According to the Rambam, in the end of the Mesechta, um, we'll understand the end of the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. Maybe, I, I guess it's not necessary to bring the whole Gemara. You know what? Do you mind if I, uh, I say the Gemara at the end of Chagiga? It sounds like this. Um, Rabbi Avohu said, Rabbi Avohu said, 
In the name of Rabbi Lezer, the Talmidei Chachomim, the oil of Gehenim, the oil of the, the, the fire, the Ur, the fire of Gehenim doesn't affect them. Why? Because he says there's a certain kind of an animal, a certain kind of creature that's born out of seven years of fire. I'm not sure what that is, but fire can't affect it. It's like a fire retardant. If you put something on it, the fire can't consume it. Because it comes, because it, it's a derivative. This creature is a derivative fire. So Talmidei Chachomim, they're a mamish fire because they're full of Torah. Torah is called fire. So for sure, Gehenim can't touch them. In other words, if this creature that comes out of fire, fire can't affect it. So Tamidah Chacham, that are fire, because they're one with Torah, that's called fire, for sure, that Gehenim can't attack. It says Reish Lakish, that the fire of Gehenim can't even attack Poshe Yisrael, sinners of Israel. Why? We learn a Kalvachimer from the Golden Mizbeach. The Golden Mizbeach, it had for many years, it only had like a, 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 a it was only plated with gold, and yet, the fire burning on it didn't burn the wood underneath it. So could you imagine the sinners of Israel who are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate is full of pits? For sure they can't be affected by the fire. Okay, that's the end of the Gemara Chagiga. It says that Ebe, after the Mishnah, this is a continuation, this is the continuation of, of the Mishnah, the last Mishnah we just spoke about. Right? It says the Mishnah like this. After the Mishnah spoke about the Mizbeches, which through the Karbanis, What's happening through Kabbalah? Hashem dwells in us. So now the Gemara speaks, after the Gemara explained, what is the Rabbanon saying, according to the way we explained the Rambam? That we have to look at the, don't look at the, that you have to look at the details. And if you look at the details, you see that the plating is subservient, is bottled to the main keli. So now that we've given this explanation, that don't just look at the general thing, look at the details, and you see that the plating is, 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 is assimilated into the, the totality of the thing. Remember, that's why we said, according to the Rabbanon, the fact that it's plated means it's bottled to the keli, so it can't become tummy because of the plating. Uh, if we look at, at it, the plating is not the real thing, but it's bottled to the actual thing. Now the Gemara brings a continuation of, and this continuation really only translates when we talk about Vishachanti, Vesechon, about Hashem, about the way the Shechina is in every Yid. And he explains like this. These Gemaras, we said, the way Hashem is in every Mikdash Prat, in every Yid. So now we have to look like the Hillel way. If you look like Hillel, so you'll see even those things that are not... In other words, what the Rebbe is saying here is, once we've explained that the plating is bottle, now we're going to move it over to the Mikdash in each and every one of us. And we're going to see that the exterior, what you see from the outside, from the outside you see copper and you see gold. Yet the Rabbanon says it's bottled, that's why it's not a Kabbalah What you see on the outside of a Jew, going, moving into the, the personal sphere, the Shechina that comes into a Yid, what you see on the outside, don't worry about it. Could be that that's not the real thing. So when you look in the Beish Hillel way... So you understand that even when you see things that are inappropriate, and they may be called, we are calling them Poshay Yisrael, sinners of Israel. But that's not the main reality of their identity, of their essence. That's only a plating. It's only an additional layer that's on top of them. It's tuffle, it's secondary, and it's bottled to their essence, to their core identity. The core identity and the inner identity of a Yid is like a Mizbeach. A Mizbeach is good, it's holiness. And that's why the fire of Gedim has no chance. It can't, can't, uh, it can't attack them. Again, this follows the line of reasoning in Halacha about Mizbeach, that the plating isn't a reason to allow it to become Tommy because the plating is bottle. 
And now we move it over as the Rebbe promised us from the beginning of the Sicha that this Gemara also speaks to the Veshachati Veseicham in the spiritual aspect of Shechina going into the into the into the personal base of Because right away the Gemara moves over and says even a Jew's on the uh, he looks from the outside like he's a sinner. That's a plating deep down. He's a Mizbeach. He's good. He's holy. And the Gehenim has no hope on him. So this also, Yudalit, this also fits the general opinion of Basila. Remember we said how you have to look at a Kala, right? We said that a Kala, Basil, Beshame says, you gotta, you gotta look at the Kala the way she is. Basil says, no, the Kala is a beautiful and graceful Kala. You know what I know? Says the Rebbe, look at the words, Shammai and Hillel, the name itself will tell you the difference in perspective. We know that Hashem is called, Hashem and the Jewish people are Chasen Kala. So Beis Shammai, what's the word Shammai? Shammai, if you look at the root, is, uh, the Rebbe brings it, Hasham or Chesav, which means somebody who evaluates his pathway. Uh, uh, even today, modern Hebrew, you, you call an evaluator, somebody who's coming to evaluate the value of something, a Shammai. Okay, so, so based, on the, based on the protocol of evaluation, which means to, to be very detail-oriented and evaluating, Interesting that we, we just said that Shammai is not, not into, looks at the generality, okay? But still, Shammai comes from Gvurai, so there's, there's details. Um, the Rebbe, by the way, sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't want to confuse you. Somewhere in the beginning of the Sikha, the Rebbe said, even though we said Shammai looks at the generality, we know that the Gemara says in the, when they came to debating, Shammai was a more powerful debater than Hillel. But the Rebbe says, but that more powerful debater and, and, and more sharp doesn't mean to say that they weren't into details. It means it could be they were more sharp and they found the general gist. They were sharp in that. At any rate, here, we're saying that Shammai does have the aspect of being detail-oriented, evaluating, so they're looking, Gevuris, Gevuris is being strict, right? That fits with Shammai being strict. So he's an evaluator, he looks at things in a detailed, again, I shouldn't use the word detail, we just said Shammai looks in the general. But in, 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 in being strict about the reality here that's going on. And so when, you, when you're strict in, in, um, in, um, in evaluating the details, uh, 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 behavior of a, of a yid, you're going to have to say, hello, this is the way you are. You're not, so, you're, you're, you're not so saintly. And therefore, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of behavior that Hashem will have to you because you're going to be based... On your, on, your, on your behavior. Basil, however, says the word Hillel comes from the expression Behilu Neiroi. Behilu Neiroi is, it's a posuk in the hallow, literally the word Hillel, like a hallow of, like the glow and the hallow of the, of the candle. Hillel is like the glow, the shine. So the concept of Hillel is they illuminate and that is what, for them, establishes what the reality is in this world. And as they look into the, they illuminate and extract the inner spark and see what's going on inside. Mesillo says, if you look deeply in the details, you'll see that every year is really like a kala novach, sort of like a graceful and beautiful kala. Again, Hashem is the chasen, Mesillo is the kala. And the proof of that is, what's the parable they say? If somebody buys something from the market, what are you going to do? You have to... Praise it in his eyes. So here too, Hashem has chosen us. He went and he bought, so to speak, and chose the Eden. So obviously, what he, obviously Hashem's looking at them and, 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 and the way they are at their core. 
He bought something good, it's good, it's holy. I, you see in Chitzenius, in the external, you see that there's, uh, you see that it's not so good, there's some problems. No, no. That doesn't change the reality that at the core essence, he's good. Because we're sure, again, we're coming to praise B'nai Yisrael, says, Hillel, you're sure that Hashem, when he chose to be eaten, he knows what he's doing. And for him, we look beautiful. So it's obviously, Kala Nova not like you say, Shammai. What do we need for that? So the Gemara there continued. We said, remember, if, if you act in the Hillel way, you're going to be mu'ureves simabri. So you're going to be able to be empathetic and, and one and mixed in with other creatures of Hashem. What does that mean? In other words, in order to be able to evaluate and appreciate the, the, the innate goodness of the Jew, even when he doesn't look that way outside, you have to be empathetic and mu'ureves kind of mean to, to, be, to be there in his space. In other words, you have to understand what kind of a scenario this world presents and what kind of a challenge it presents to the people in it. And therefore, once you see that, you'll see, wow, compared to the challenge the person finds himself in, he's a, this is a, a beautiful and graceful color, doing a perfect job. Tezvav, this is also the, this is the, the lesson for all of us. When we see on a second yid, when we see on a, on a fellow Jew something that's inappropriate, you could think to yourself, Oy, this is like, like looking at a color who's lame, God forbid, or blind. You know, uh, what am I going to do with this guy? This is, this is not somebody I should be in contact with. So Basilo says, no, 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 no. Why are you looking at him, looking at him with, those, with those fleshy eyes that show you the negativity? Don't look at him that way. Since the Hashem chose him, so he's something that Hashem bought. When somebody bought something in the market, you have to build him up. So for sure Hashem thinks that he's a beautiful kala. Hashem chose him as a Jew. He's a beautiful, graceful kala. Aye, what did you, you were shown that he's not so good. You know what it's for? It's so you should, as we said, when somebody bought something in the market, you got to praise it. It's so you should bring your hallow, you should bring the light and illuminate and, 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 and draw out the innermost good from the person. Show, highlight that, magnify that. So through us working in this managolas, in the time of God, like Beis Hillel, because we know that in, the, in our times, the halach is like Beis Hillel. And we can't even entertain a possibility to do like Beishama, even if you want to be stringent, you're not allowed to. Remember the story at the beginning of Brachas, Rabbi Tarfan said he wanted to follow Beishama and lie down when he said Shema, and he almost got attacked by, by he almost lost his life. The Chachami said, You deserve to lose your life you, you, because there's a rule. Beishama's opinion, after it was decided that Beis Hillel is the halacha, Beishama is not even considered an opinion, a viable opinion that you should be careful of. So now, there's not even a possibility to consider doing Beishamai's approach. We have to be fully Hillel. What does it mean be fully Hillel? That you don't look at a Yid the way he looks like from the outside. You look at him from the way he is in his primus, his innermost. And that every Yid is a beautiful color, a beautiful, graceful color. And therefore, what that achieves is you try and bring out from every Yid, you try and, and, and extract from him and highlight and emphasize and magnify his innermost goodness. Ah, when you live life like that, so then we're zeichah that Hashem should marry us. Remember that we say, till Mashiach comes, it's like being uh, betrothed, but not yet married. We'll have a nisuin, we'll be married, and then the halacha could be like Beishamai, because then everybody's really going to be beautiful. Well, you're scared to, to, to do like Beishamai, he's going to say, say the reality. Then the reality will be every person. There won't be any tumma. There won't be anyone who's similar to a blind or a lame. Everybody will be in a revealed way. Kala Kamashi, the reality of the Kala, the way it will be in its true reality is every year is a Kala Novak, so the beautiful and graceful Kala.
This sicha was said in Chaf Menachem Av Tavshin Lamed Aleph. The Rebbe's Fabreng for his father's yard site in 1971.